who is not objectifiable. So, here Lord Krishna says that the second form of worship is very difficult. Even the first, first form of worship, worshipping God itself is difficult. Love struggle is involved in worshipping God. Because the mind has a natural tendency, as we said yesterday, to, to run out in the world, objects of the world, seeking pleasure, seeking gratification. So, because there is a conclusion that what I am seeking is outside of myself, that being the case, the mind has a normal tendency to run out, seeking pleasures, seeking gratification. And to direct that mind towards God itself is difficult. It requires that my mind should become free from its attachments and aversions to a large extent. As I said, the attachment is the nature of the mind, but what is required to be done in worship of God is that I release my mind from the attachment towards the worldly things and create that attachment for God. This is what we call worship. Kleshaha, that itself is struggle involved. Thus, as we said, this process of spiritual growth involves struggle. It involves a complete transformation of my mind. It involves a deliberate effort wherein, as we said, I attempt to drop my likes and dislikes and resistances and thus there is what we call a process of inner purification. Thus from the mind which is the tendency for gratification bhoga, there is there we have to create a tendency for yoga, I create a tendency of being centered upon the self rather than being centered upon the objects of the world. <coughs> so that process. And as we said, the, even the very starting point is what we call dharma. Starting point is the righteousness in our life. That is also, that's the first step. Also, so there must be this acceptance of moral order in my life, acceptance of dharma, acceptance of virtues, acceptance of values in my life. That is the first step, which itself is so difficult. Because as you say, to follow this requires me to drop things. For me to follow the path of honesty requires giving up dishonesty to the benefits. The thing is that very often this compromising value, the taking shortcuts is very convenient and very beneficial also in the material terms. Sometimes telling a little lie, sometimes being dishonest, sometimes doing this is convenient. And very often we find that telling truth is not always convenient because sometimes it brings about embarrassment. Sometimes there is a question of my image, sometimes a lot of things are there and so things that are dear to me, I am required to give up. And that giving up is painful, that involves struggle. So whatever I have been considering dear or valuable at this time, and just as the whole world give, considers, as we said, the material achievements as valuable, so also I consider them as valuable and necessary for myself. And to drop that value, dropping that, is very painful. And so, struggle is involved in the very life of spiritual growth. But klesha adhikataraha. When on the other hand, but still, the mind, as we said, and you will see also subsequently, that mind always requires some help, some aid. It can always relate to something which, is, which has some form, some quality. It is very difficult for the mind to conceive of that which is without form, without quality. As you said, that's the reason why in the Vedic culture various forms are given as aid to help the mind 
to be able to contemplate upon God, to be able to worship God, to be able to relate to God, forms are given. Every form stands for a certain certain attribute. And so, of course, God is everything. He's omniscient, omnipotent, creator, sustainer, dissolver, what not. A certain aspect is given importance and that is what is expressed in a form. So when we worship Brahma, Lord is worshipped as creator. Worship Vishnu, then Lord is worshipped as a preserver. Worship Shiva, then Lord is worshipped as, as a destroyer, Arudra. So Dakshinamurti, God is worshipped specifically as a teacher. Worship God as God is worshipped specifically as a, as a power, as an energy. And so take a given aspect and then we worship God and it is easier for us to relate to God that way. But however, when even that aid also is to be given up, and if I have to engage my mind in contemplation of that which is devoid of any kind of a virtue, any kind of attribute, any form, it is very difficult for the mind to hold on to that. Which means it requires a mind that has attained a tremendous amount of subtlety, tremendous amount of concentration, tremendous, tremendous amount of self-sufficiency or the self-centeredness. It calls for a much greater growth of the mind. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, Kleshaha Adhikatara. Here, Arjuna, if before having crossed a step, so there is, there, is a, there, is a, there is a crumb or a sequence here. Where the first step is worshipping God with attributes. And then I grow out the need of the aid of the attributes and then I am able to be able to contemplate upon God who is beyond attributes, who is my own self. <coughs> so Lord Krishna said, therefore I say that worshipping God with attributes is definitely better. For those whose chetas of the mind is, is uh, devoted to, committed to the avyakta, then manifest, for them the struggle is greater. Because avyakta hegatir dukkham dehavadmi avapyate. For those who have still a strong identification with their body, strong identification with their personality or sense of individuality, for them giving up that is very difficult. Understand that the whole process of worshiping God, or what we call the inner growth, the spiritual growth, is nothing but dropping this ego. Ego is not some, an entity that I can put, I can pick up and, and throw away. Ego itself manifests various likes and dislikes, and you know that is how the ego manifests. Various demands, various needs, and so it's a process of dropping of the demands, likes, dislikes, attachments, all those things that disrupt my mind, and ultimately. The ego is in the form of giving up the very giver. You know the very famous story of uh, King Bali, Bali Raja, who was the king of the demons, but a very virtuous king. And uh, by that, that, on account of his virtue alone, he was very powerful. And he was so powerful that he drove away all the devatas, all the gods also from the reward, and thus he became the king of all the three worlds. And poor devatas, gods, had nowhere to go, they were in exile. And so their mother, Aditi, was very pained by looking at, seeing the, the fate of her children. And therefore she prayed to Lord Narayana and said that, please do something with, about my children. Lord Narayana appeared before her in response to her penance and said, don't worry, I will, I will be born as your very son. And so Lord Narayana is born 
as son of Aditi, he was called Vamana because he was dwarf. This Vamana is, is, is a Batuka, is, is, a, is a young boy. And he is given the Diksha, he is given the Upanayana ceremony by the gods and he goes to where Bali Raja is performing a very big Yaga, supposedly the bank of Narmada. So in, in near Bhukacha, that is where he is performing this big Yaga. And that is where Lord Vamana goes into the Yagnashala of, of Bali Raja, of the King Bali. And as he enters that, that Yagnashala, he is so, this Vamana, the Lord is so brilliant naturally that everybody realizes that somebody, some divine being is entering here and everybody rose in respect, in honor. And, and Vamana walks up to where Bali Raja is and King Bali saw him and was very happy. So I am really gratified that you are, you, you come here this morning and then bless me with your presence. What can I do for you? I would like to give you something because you're a Brahmin boy. What can I give you? What would you like to have? And then this boy says uh, that all I need is only three steps of land. That's all I want. The king, well, he says, what? Just three steps of land? I can give you the whole world. Why do you ask for so little? So that's all I need. All I need is a little space for myself for performing meditations and daily rituals. And so that's all I need. Just give me three steps of land. And Baliya says, certainly. And Baliraja's guru, Shukracharya, saw in his mind that this is not an ordinary boy. He is Lord himself who has come here in this form to cheat Baliraja, to cheat him. He warned Bali. says, don't give him this land. He is not an ordinary boy. He is Hari, Lord Narayana in this form. He has come to deceive you, come to cheat you. Then Bali Raja says, if Lord himself has come to cheat me, well, uh, who can be more, uh, who can be more uh, fortunate than I am? The Lord himself has come to do that to me. And therefore, let him cheat me, I don't mind. I'll give him this three, these three steps of land. So this is a classical case where the Bali Raja in fact overrides the desires of his Guru which is not supposed to be done. When Guru says do this, you are supposed to do that. But then the Mahatmas explain that when even Guru also comes in the way between you and your God, then of course you have to drop him also. <laughs> so this is one case where Guru also is dropped. So where scriptures give injunctions of what we should do and what we should not do, they always tell us exceptions also, because there is no injunction which is absolute. Matru Deva Bhava, Pitru Deva Bhava, Acharya Deva Bhava, may you treat your mother as God, may you treat your father as God, may you treat your teacher as God, and they always do. But there are times when mother also must be dropped. When Bharata came back from his uh, grandfather's place and found that his mother had uh, sought kingdom for himself and he sent Rama in exile. That means he was, he was separated from his God. He dropped his mother. And when Pralnada found that his father, Hiranyakashipu, was coming in the way of worshipping God, he dropped his father. So that is how, there are, except there are cases when these also have been dropped and so Baliraja also dropped his guru. That means that he did not follow his, his uh, advice and offered these three steps of land and we know what happened. Definitely Dwali Raja was, was cheated 
that he, the dwarf became, the Vamana became Virat, he became cosmic, he assumed the cosmic form and in one step he covered this whole world. Whole world is what Raja has conquered by his virtue and all of these snatched away from him, literally snatched away. And Raja was so virtuous that he had conquered the whole remaining world also by his virtue. All of that also was measured in the second step, so that was taken away from him. Very cruel. And now Bali has left nothing to offer. And therefore Lord Narayana says, wait a minute, you offer me three steps of land, tell me where am I going to place my third step? You promised me to give me three steps and in two steps everything has been covered, tell me where am I going to put my third step? And Bali Raja offers his head, says, please, please, place a third step on my head. And without any hesitation, Lord placed his third step on his head and Bali Raja sunk into Patala. Brahma, the creator, saw this. said, Lord, how can you do that? He is a devotee. He trusts you. He has offered himself to you. And what do you do? You snatch everything away from him and on the top of that, you have driven him into Pahatala. What is this? This is very unfair. So Lord Narayana says, whenever I want to bless my devotees, I snatch everything away from them. That's a way of blessing them. Can you believe that? <laughs> So whenever I want to bless my devotees, I, I rob them of all their wealth. Because I find my devotees distracted from me, because he attached to his wealth and material things, and is distracted to me, then I rob them, rob him. So, so because it's a distraction. It's a favor done to them. Apparently God has his own idea of what is ideas of what is favor and what is not favor. We may have our own ideas, but he has his own ideas of what is meant by favor. And so the story of Baliraja symbolizes total vairagya, total dispassion. If you have studied Tattva Bodha, then vairagya is defined as iha mutra ta phalabhoga viragaha. A dispassion towards all the pleasures obtainable in this world and the other world. A dispassion towards pleasures obtainable anywhere. A total dispassion or total freedom from seeking gratitude from any gratification from anything. So mind has the natural tendency seeking gratification from something or the other. And thus, as long as mind is seeking gratification from anything, it will be directed there. And vairagya means total freedom from seeking gratification from anything. So that is what is demonstrated when Lord, Lord snatched away from him whatever he had earned by way of the virtue, the pleasures, by way of his, by his virtues, whatever bhoga, whatever pleasures of gratification he had earned in this world and the other world, all of that is natural. And still something remains with Bali Raja. So this is what we require to worship God, understand? Worshipping God also, bhakti requires vairagya. Without vairagya, without dispassion, meaning without freedom from Seeking gratification in the world is not possible to direct our mind to God. And so vairagya is required even for worshipping God, definitely. But for worshipping God without attribute, for worshipping God as my own self, for worshipping God as other than myself, of course there is struggle involved, vairagya is required, but for worshipping God as my own self, everything has to be given up. 
Even that idea, you know, that far Raja had to give up the very idea of giver. He, he gave up everything and still something remained with him and that was his sense that I am a giver. I am a renouncer. Even the renouncer has to be renounced. And that is the most difficult step. Because the devotee has to be also merged into God. At least when I am worshipping God who is looked upon as different from myself, I retain my status as a devotee. That's okay. It is some comfort is there. But even that devotee also has to be dropped when I want to know God as my own self. That's the ultimate in knowledge. Where even that there very subtle distance also between myself and God, the devotee and the Lord. So that distance is becoming subtler and subtler in the form in the process of worship, and ultimately even the subtle distance also is dropped. That itself is very so. That is the final struggle. That's why he said. Those who want to worship God as their own self, for them greatest klesha, greatest struggle, because everything, even the worshipper also, has to be dropped, has to be given up. And so, the final vairagya, this passion towards even my status of being a worshipper, that is what we call dropping of the ego. The final dropping, that I am a worshipper, I am even a devotee, even that status also is given up. So giving up the status is not easy, that is a struggle. I want to hold on to my status in my life. It has been so dear to me, in fact I worked hard to earn that status and now you are telling me to give it up. So that is a struggle, otherwise there should not be any struggle. In fact it is this so called status which creates a sense of individuality that comes in my way. That is what is the, the wall between myself and what I am seeking. But since so far it has been valuable to me, therefore there is struggle involved. Therefore Lord Krishna, Lord Krishna says here, Klesha Adhikatarha. So for those who want to know the Lord as their own self, they have to give up even that final status of being a devotee. That final identification, that ego also has to be given up. And unless one is ready to do that, this form of worship or worshipping God as myself is extremely difficult. Therefore Lord Krishna said that worshipping God is different from you. That's all it means. When we say worshipping God with attributes, which means, it means that worshipping God is different from me. Whenever God is different from me, he will have some attributes. There is no doubt about it. The only way that God will be totally transcendental, totally free from any attributes, is only when God is myself. People may not recognize this. They may think that we worship God without form, but it may be without form, all right, but still with attributes. But God, beyond attributes, is the God that is my own self. And that's the final erasing of all the distance. And that is what Vedanta teaches us. When it says, Tattvamasi, that thou art, hey, the God whom you are worshipping is your own self. And therefore, even drop that final distance. <coughs> so in these verses, Lord Krishna briefly told us about the worshipping God as a self, worshipping God beyond attributes, without attributes, akshara or immutable, worship of Lord who is called akshara, the immutable. And, and said that it is most exalted, but it is very difficult also. Therefore, 
in the second verse when Lord Krishna replied, he said, Teme Yuktatamamataha. In my opinion, these are the exalted yogis or exalted bhaktas who worship the God as manifest before them, as, as different from themselves. <coughs> Keeping in mind the fitness of Arjuna and fitness of devotees in general. And that theme of worshipping God continues from the sixth verse. As to what's the difference between worshipping God who is immutable and worshipping God who is manifest? What's the difference? In one case, they say that when I worship God which is immutable, which is beyond the form, it is all my effort. Whereas when I am worshipping God as manifest, then it is his effort. So in one case, I have to cross this ocean of samsara by my own effort. In another case, I have a help. That's what Lord Krishna says in the sixth and the seventh verses as to how he helps the devotees who have surrendered themselves to him. So one is the way of surrendering myself to God. You do whatever is required be done. In another case, I take the, this charge of the situation myself and I do what is to be done. So, here, these are the devotees who worship God, who is manifest with attributes and who have surrendered themselves to Him and how, how to surrender and how He takes care of the devotees is being described in the 6th and the 7th verses. So, we read these two verses. Ye tu sarvani karmani Ye tu sarvani karmani Mai sanyasya matparaha Mai sanyasya matparaha Ananye naiva yogena Ananye naiva yogena Mandhyayanta upasate Mandhyayanta upasate Teshamaham samudharta Teshamaham samudharta Mrityu samsara sagarat Mrityu samsara sagarat Bhavamina chirat partha Bhavamina chirat partha Maya veshita chetasam Ye tu, that word tu is however, that shows the contrast between the devotees described earlier. Those who were, who, was, who are devoted to the worship of the unmanifest as compared to them, those who are devoted to the worship of the manifest. How do we worship? Sarvani karmani mai sanyasya. The translation of these two verses is to be found and dislikes. So in short, worshipping God or contemplating God as my own self requires a total cessation of all activities is purely a mental process where I see God as my own self and where I am free from all activities, free from all efforts, even mental effort also. At least when you meditate, mentally some effort is involved. But when I am meditating upon God as my own self, that is, when I am meditating upon my own self, even that effort also is dropped. <coughs> and therefore, worshipping God without attributes is sannyasa, renunciation in the ultimate form, in as much as every effort, 
physical as well as mental, all the efforts are completely dropped and I am what I am. That is just the being. This is contemplating or meditating or worshipping God as myself, as a vyakta, as unmanifest. On the other hand, when I am worshipping God who is manifest, that kind of a demand is not there on me. I can retain my individuality. There the sense of individuality must be totally dropped. Here I retain my individuality at least as a devotee, not as a samsari, but at least as a devotee I retain the individuality. That is somewhat more comfortable. There is no demand on me that I give up all activities because it is very difficult to give up activities. Because the discomfort in myself always prompts me to do something or the other. And therefore, here I can continue to perform the activities. Because worshipping God is not anything that is opposed to action. In which action becomes a very medium for worshipping God. In the worshipping God, as I said, as my own self, action is an obstacle, is a distraction. So when I am meditating upon God as my own self, as a vector, then manifest, then any kind of an activity becomes an obstacle, becomes a distraction. And that's the reason why they talk of sannyasa, talk of renouncing all the actions or giving all the actions or efforts because ultimately any kind of an effort becomes a distraction to, to my abiding in myself. At least when I am contemplating upon myself, at least at that time any action becomes a distraction. To however, here when I am worshipping God who is manifest as the whole world before me and who is my own self also, What's the form of the worship? Sarvani, Karmani, Sanyasya Dedicating all the actions to Him. That's all. Perform the actions, but dedicate all the actions to Him. So say here, Mat Karma Krut, the one who performs actions for my sake. What do we do, Swamiji, for dedicating actions to God? Does it mean that all the time we keep on performing rituals and keep on, you know, is that what is meant by dedicating act? That's what is being done here. So when we perform worship of a particular form, let's say in our, in our, in our prayer room, in our puja room, in the temple or anywhere, when we are performing our daily rituals, then definitely there is worship to God. Because God is present before me in the form of a form or a picture or whatever it is or symbol. And I offer my action in terms of making, offering the flowers, in terms of, you know, saying the prayers, in terms of saying the hymns, reciting the hymns, all of this is directly done to God. But we cannot say that the worship is confined merely to the puja room. In fact, Lord Krishna wants that our whole life should become worship. And therefore, even this day-to-day -day action that we perform also can become the worship in the same spirit, the spirit which is there when I offer flowers. So when I say Om Dakshinamurtaya Namaha, Om Achyutaya Namaha, Om Anantaya Namaha, Om Govindaya Namaha, when I utter the name of God and offer a flower, make an offering, the same spirit of offering can also be there in performing my day-to-day -day actions. So let every action become like a flower which is placed at the feet of the Lord. So when I am performing my puja, this is what I do. I take the flower, utter the name of Lord, and offer the flower at His feet. Here, when I perform an action, I look upon my action as a flower and offer that flower in the form of action at the feet of the Lord. That is, how do I do that? Where is God? 
We discussed yesterday, where is God not? Everything and everybody is God. And so, whatever I, action I perform, is going to benefit somebody. Whenever I do something, it is always going to benefit somebody. As I said, even when I perform the action of sweeping the floor, it will benefit somebody, those who are going to use that floor. When I cook my food, it will benefit somebody, those who will eat the food. When I am in account writing, Swamiji, but I don't cook the food, I am an accountant in the office, nobody seems to benefit from what I do. <laughs> no, but somebody does. Even in, Swamiji, what do I do? I just keep entering things in computer. Who is going to benefit from that? There also, whatever task I am required to perform, if I perform sincerely, then at least, you know, the company for whom I am working, that will benefit from that. So there is always an, there is always someone or somebody who directly or indirectly benefits from what I do. Sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly. And so God in that form. Let him be pleased. And so, I mean, I need not think of a particular person who is going to benefit. I know that this is an offering in the scheme of things. There is a scheme of things. The universe is a scheme of things. Lord has created the universe and in a scheme of things everybody has a role to perform. Everybody has their share to offer. And I am also a part of the, the scheme of things and therefore I make my little humble offering. However great that offering is, it's going to be very insignificant in the whole universal scheme. Anyway, however great person I am still, what am I doing anyway? Suppose I am the President of the United States and I do tremendous amount of tasks and still in the whole cosmic scheme is going to be insignificant. Because earth is an insignificant thing in the whole cosmos anyway. You can't even locate it any place. And in the earth again I am in one country and then I am in one state and then I am in one town and then I am in one house and then I am in one place. Whatever I do has no significance. I need not be very proud about what I am doing. I can be very humble. And so with humility, I make an offering to the scheme of things. Let the scheme of things that is the universe, let the harmony which obtains the universe, let the order that obtains the universe, let that be the beneficiary of what I do. That means, whatever I do, let it be in the same spirit of the order of the harmony. May I not disrupt the harmony by my action, but may I support the harmony, may I support the order by my action. And so, we can say that we perform the actions, offer them to the order. Order means a moral order, that harmony that, that obtains, and as long as I perform actions, keeping that order in mind, that is keeping the basic values in mind, because as we said, the order manifests itself in the form of these values, and therefore, when I even follow the values of non-violence, when I make sure that I do not violate anybody's rights, that I do not trample upon the rights of other people, that I have the freedom to progress, but then I do not do that at the cost of somebody else. If I am sensitive to the rights of other people, sensitive to the needs of other people, that very sensitivity and alertness is what is required for being a non-violent person, a non and, and when I am a non-violent person, I settle for whatever I get. And so, being a moral person, following the moral order in life, is also a way of dedicating actions to the God, in the form of this order. In short, whenever I perform my action with dedication, with honesty, when I put my heart and soul in every little thing that I do, 
What's the problem of putting my heart and soul in things that I do? Swamiji, I don't, I hate this work. I don't want to do this. I am not meant for this. How can you ask me to sweep the floor? I'm a manager of this place and things like that. So there are problems. I have problems with my own status and my own image and my own, you know, ego and things like that. So that is where it very, what very often comes in the way of my doing things. At least that is much less here in the Western countries than it is in India. People in India are very, very self-conscious about what is their status and things like that. I can't do this. This is not my job. People that way here, you know, people do everything. Whenever I go to the temples, then I know. If I want to know who is the president of the, or chairman of the committee, the fellow sweeping the floor must be chairman, definitely, because he alone winds up sweeping the floor. <laughs> that is amazing. However these people are, they may be, they are professional people and then enjoying good status in the society and still, when they go to doing that community work, there is no hesitation. I mean, I see people. And literally, I've always found, so who, is the, who is the board of director, you know, the, who is the chairman of the board of director, that fellow is vacuuming the floor, invariably. That is great. That means that there is a dignity for the word action. Every action is as dignified. Every action can be divine, as a matter of fact. It is just a spirit that makes an action what it is. It's not the form of the action, it's a spirit that goes behind the action. And thus, I can perform every action that way with pride, not pride, but with this awareness that this action also is this is my humble offering in the overall scheme of things. And I perform my actions with humility. That humility also is very important because I recognize that as Lord Krishna says in the ninth chapter. Say, Aham Sarva Yajnanam Bhoktacha Prabhurevacha. Whatever yajna or whatever action is performed, is performed because I am the one who presides over everything. It is because of my favor that anybody is able to do whatever they do. So, the thing is that, not only the Lord is the beneficiary of the action that I perform, but He is a performer of action also. There is not only His manifest in the scheme of things to whom I, I, to which I offer my action, but the very one who performs action also is Himself. Brahmarpanam, Brahmahari, Brahmagnav, Brahmanahutam, Brahmaivatena Gantavyam, Brahmakarma Samadhina. Arpanam. So the things with which I offer, like my, my fingers, like my hand, like a spoon with which I make an offering, that is also God. The fire also is God. The oblation that is offered also is God. The one who performs offering also is God. The very act of offering is God. Everything is God. And therefore, I, I remember this. That is, I retain the awareness that it's my privilege to do something, whatever it is. And so no action is superior, no action is inferior. This is ideally how it was, if whenever it was. As we say this, the whole idea of the caste system and the system of the stage of life, Varana and Ashrama, where the tasks are all assigned to people depending upon their station in life and depending upon the status of life, everybody is assigned a certain task and thus they perform the appointed task and that's how the whole society functions. And ideally no task is superior, no task is inferior. If this is a spirit, then the society will function in a spirit of cooperation. That's ideal.
where everybody has the opportunity to grow and everybody helps the growth of other people also. Everybody helps the growth of everybody else. Like what we do here when there is seva, you know, everybody is ready to do seva, that's wonderful. So I don't know, I have seen this. Of course here there is no problem, but in India, for example, people may have hesitation in doing things at their home. So when they come to ashram, they do a lot of things. Then their wife tells me, Swamiji, he does not lift even one glass of, you know, water at home. <laughs> he is doing all kinds of things. Then he washes the dishes and they wash, he may wash his clothes. Or Some kind of reservation goes away. And I find myself comfortable with anything. So thus a dignity of the work, a comfort with whatever I do, a reverence for what I do, a sense of privilege or gratitude that I am able to do something. So Lord is the form of the intellect that I have. The intelligence is Himself. The strength also is Himself. The ability, the skill, everything is Him. And therefore it is by His grace that I am doing what I am doing. And this awareness is worship. What else is worship? Worship is nothing but being aware of God, that's all. He's everything. It's just a matter of being aware of Him. And that way performing an action gives you an opportunity of being aware of this. Just as you use a rosary, a mala, to do the japa. And what does this mala or japa or the rosary does? Everybody reminds me that I am worshipping God. That I mentally chant Om Namah Shivaya and then one rosary bead, you know, is, you know, is moved. And then when I do not chant in my mind, then my finger stops. That reminds me that you are not supposed to think of anything else. Repeat Om Namah Shivaya. Then I start again. Again my mind gets distracted. Again this thing stops. If we have done it that way, that the finger will move only when I chant. Otherwise finger independently moves and mind independently goes. <laughs> That's a different matter. But if you can so, uh, you know, uh, establish that, that connection, that the finger moves only when the mantra is chanted. But when the mantra is not chanted, finger stops. And then I become aware the finger is stopped. That's how it becomes a reminder. Therefore, every bead of the rosary becomes a reminder of God. Similarly also, every action can become a reminder of God. Now, how nice, how wonderful that I am performing an action. How wonderful that I am sweeping the floor. How wonderful that I am doing what I am doing. It's a privilege. It's a privilege that I have. That I am a human being, I enjoy that privilege. Had I been some other living being, I would not have that privilege because they don't, they have no sense of free will. They don't have free will. That I have a free will. And that I'm, I have the privilege of doing. I enjoy that, that, that role. And so, an awareness that the one who performs the action, that I am able to perform action by His grace, an awareness that may this action be a my humble offering into the scheme of things, an humble offering. Sense of gratitude, sense of humility, all of this is involved. So that is a devotee. Who is a devotee of God? One is humble. One is surrendered to God. So, Yoga Sarvani Karamani Mai Sanyasya. This dedicating all the actions to me. Now, whatever be my concept of God, to that God I offer my actions. As I said, here we are talking about God who is everything. 
Suppose I have a concept of God that God is only Krishna, let us say. It's a particular form. That doesn't matter. Offer all the actions to Him. That's the reason why we have the, in our home also, we have a little altar where we, we install God and then we do things for Him. And, and, and there are people who dedicate their whole day in worshipping that little God. From morning till evening, their whole life revolves around that God. Idea is that my mind is all the time aware of God in a given form, which inspires me, which creates, which, which invokes a sense of devotion in my heart. And there is that devotion which is purifying, which is pure, which purifies my heart. Mahi sanyasya mat paraha mat karma mat paraha again mat paraha except this is plural this is singular that's the only difference mat paraha so for whom I am the ultimate end so I am performing actions offering to the Lord for what so very often we perform action offer them to Lord but then we want some reward from that Lord Please make sure that my son gets admission in medical school and further I am doing this. Nothing wrong in that. That's quite alright. But then I am not devotee of God. I am devotee of that end. We should know that. That I am worshipping God but still when I expect something from God which is quite fair. Nothing wrong in it. You go ahead and do that. But at least we should know that I am I am I'm more dedicated to that result rather than rather than God whom I am worshipping. That much we should be aware of. So Lord Krishna says, Mat Paraha. What do they seek as a result of performing these actions? What do I seek? I seek God Himself. That is all. Mat Paraha. Then he feels accepted. God also feels accepted, otherwise he feels rejected himself. Because I go to him, I worship him, and then in all hope the God receives me, the devotee, and then I say, please give me money. Then he gets frustrated. Ultimately he says, money is more important this fellow than me. So when God becomes the most important and the only important thing ultimately, matparaha. That comes from an understanding, that comes from Viveka, the discriminative understanding of what I am seeking in my life. As we said, what I am seeking is to be discovered with my own self. Is not something, happiness or freedom is not something to be created, is something to be discovered. It is the attainment of what is already attained. And so the question is, not of acquiring something, but dropping the obstacles. And so Lord, so when we offer, you know, how they used to explain this archana, when we offer flower, attaining the name of God, what are we offering? Offer all the garbage to God, they say. Offer all your likes and dislikes to Him. Offer your ego to Him. He's the only one who can receive that garbage. Nobody else can receive it, you know. Because it's infinite. So therefore they say about the Ganges, for example, that whenever you take a dip in the Ganges, then you are washed of all your sins. Where do the sins go? They go into the Ganges. The Ganges becomes sinful, does it not? When, when I take a dip in the Ganges, and when all my sins are washed off in the Ganges, that means that all the sins are gone into the stream of the Ganges, isn't it? Then that should become, then what happens? The Ganges becomes ultimately, it accumulates all the sins of all the people. But now, that is called the, you know, that is called the sanctity of Ganges where it doesn't become, it doesn't become polluted at all with the sins. 
Similarly, Lord is the one, Pavitranam, Pavitram, yeah, the one who is the purifier of the purifier, and therefore, all our garbage can be offered. That's all we have to offer. What else belongs to us? Ultimately, when it comes to offering, what can I offer? Only that which is mine. And what is that, what is that which I can call mine or claim to be mine is nothing but the ignorance and all these garbage, likes and dislikes that are product of ignorance. That is really my property. Nothing else is mine. If I have created something, that's what I have created. Everything else is created by God, really speaking. And therefore, what can I offer? Something that is mine. And therefore, every action can become a vehicle for offering dislikes and dislikes. Offering a bit of my ego. Ego means likes, dislikes, demands, resistance. All that, a bit of that is offered with every action. And what do I want? Lord, I don't want anything from you. I want you. He is limitless. So why should I settle for anything limited in my life? Why should I want to settle for anything limited? I want the limitless. That conviction, matparaha, those are the conviction that what I want is just nothing but God who is a limitless. Because either I can have limited or limitless one of the two things in my life. If I want the limited, Lord says have it. In the fourth chapter he says, Ye yathavam prapadyande tams tasayva bhajam miham In whichever way they approach me, in whichever way they worship me, I bless them accordingly. So we ask the Lord, Lord, I do not know what I want, but you know what I want. Why don't you give me what I want? God says, no, you have to know what you need. Sometimes people have this problem. I may not know what is good for me. It is God knows what is good for me. Why does he not do what is good for me? God says, whatever you ask of me, I'll give you. So that much responsibility is given us to determine what to ask. It is that much? What to ask? It is that much responsibility we have to have. We must know how to even ask. And so, if we want, he said, that's why Lord Krishna said in earlier chapters, Devan, Deva, Ejavayanti, Mad Bhaktayanti, Mamapi. Those who want to attain the status of Devas, Gods, that means those who want all that, the Ishwarya, those who want that glory and the power, they can have that. Mad Bhaktayanti, Mamapi. Those are my devotees, they attain me. So Mad Paraha, those who have, you know, for whom? For whom Lord is the ultimate hand, who is the most valuable. So I can keep asking myself all the time, what is the most valuable thing for me? At this time, my son is most valuable. Then my action is dedicated to him. At this, what is valuable keeps changing also. In the morning it may be something, afterwards it may be something else, when I go to work it is something else, when I come home it is something else. So what is valuable keeps changing also. If I keep reminding myself, I am performing this action, what is valuable to me? Where is the action dedicated? Who is it being offered? This every action can become me, can become an occasion for me to meditate. Every action can become an occasion for this deliberating as to what I am doing, becoming alert. So matparaha ananyenaiva yogena by the yoga, you know, ananyenaiva yogena. So by the yoga, the commitment which there is indeed no other. Ananyoga, that means I am, yoga means connection or association, joining, that I am joined only with the Lord. In my life there is nothing other than Lord. Ananyeni yogena, 
maam dhyayanta hai all the time meditating upon me understand that when you perform actions in a conscientious manner then automatically meditation upon god also happens this is meditation while doing things that was a meditation when all doing is given up this is meditation upon god while doing things because when i do i must i must deliberate upon what i am doing who i am offering i must be conscious about god in the form of order in the form of the self of all in the form of the universe in whichever form i look upon god that i am conscious of that that means mentally i am meditating upon god so in my mind there is an awareness of god in my hands and legs there is an action in my heart there is a spirit of offering so in the heart the spirit of offering and then in my intellect there is an awareness of god in my hands and legs there is an action for the god so that's what was said here offering everything to me mat karma krut karma or action also is performed for me mat bhakta hai he is he loves me he is devoted to me mat par hai then for him i am the ultimate goal <coughs> Maam dhyayanta hai, upasate. This is all plural. So those who thus meditating upon me, they worship me in this manner. Tesham aham samudharta. The Lord, this is all the devotee has to do. Nothing else. Rest is taken care by God. In this form of worship. So when I am devoted to, when I am dedicated to God, surrendered to God, when I have given all responsibility to Him, when I offer myself to Him in this manner, then the responsibility rests with Him. तेषाम अहम समुद्धरता फॉर देम आई एम द लिबरेटर समुद्धरता सम्यक उत्तरता और धरता सो वन लिफ्ट समप फ्रॉम द ओशन ऑफ संसार मृत्यु संसार सागरात फ्रॉम द ओशन ऑफ संसार व्हिच इज फ्रॉट विथ डेथ सो संसारा ओशन ऑफ संसारा व्हिच इज फ्रॉट विथ डेथ फ्रॉम देम फ्रॉम दैट संसारा ओशन आई लिफ्ट देम When nacirat very quickly, he passes maya veshitajesham for those whose minds are absorbed in me. <coughs> we'll continue discussion on that verse in our second class. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Bhunapunaha Ishvaro Gururatmedi मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योम व्याप्तेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम ओ शांति 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 हरि ओ श्री गुरुभ्यो नम हरि ओम